computer looks into. You continue to talk like you're talking right now. You'll be history on this program. Yeah, like yeah, extra cooler show. Nobody eats beefaroni on a boat, man. That's a problem. <laughs> Too many holes. Yo, Cozona. This <laughs> blew my mind. <laughs> what you did, Jack Tunney, was focus. Every time I see old lady, I'm going to Let's go. I've got under your skin. I'm ready for this episode now. Yeah. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Extra Cooler Show. Uh, this is a very special episode of Hanging with Mr. Cooler. My name is Nick, otherwise known as Extra Cooler. This week, the Hop God Matt is with me, and we've got a very special guest with us, none other than Wrestling for Sale. Ted, thank you for joining us this week. Of course. First of all, thank you for joining me in WrestleMania. Um, I, I cannot we have wait. A, we have a big event coming up, and it was only right you were the first vendor that I had outside of myself at a pop-up. So I need you back. I'll I'm be happy there. we got to make it work on the East Coast. I'm very excited. So I'm very excited to talk wrestling and talk about that maybe. Maybe yeah, without it, things. we're definitely going to talk about that because I'm beyond excited. I think that's like what I'm that I I don't think I know that is what I'm looking forward to most that entire WrestleMania weekend. That's right, Ted. I have to tell you, it is like pulling teeth to get this man out of his house to go to a wrestling show, and let alone one <laughs> in another city. So I need to thank you for getting him out of the house. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> Look, I mean, being an adult, it's it's tough to juggle it all. I don't oh, know yeah. if I'd be able to do it if I didn't have like you know, a vested interest and like a, right. a way to make money. It's, it's so hard and we'll probably get through my history of watching during this call, but you know, I very much have gone in and out of watching it because of life. And right now I'm just kind of in a place where I can juggle a little bit of both, but I totally get it. If someone can't watch or can't go to an event, that's life. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. So yep. uh, as usual, you can find us on Instagram at Extra Cooler, and uh, we have a Discord channel. You can find Ted on social media uh, at Wrestling for Sale. Um, but before we dive in with some questions, uh, we asked uh, Ted to assign us some homework. Typically, we're looking for a hidden gem or something that we would consider like a, or someone would consider a cult classic. Uh, but for this episode, we asked Ted to bring us one of his favorite WrestleMania matches. And uh, I said this before we hit record to you, Ted. Um, but before when we were off air, Jim was talking to us uh, and he made a prediction of, of what he thought you were going to bring. Um, so why don't you tell us the match that you brought and what WrestleMania is from? OK, well. I mean, the second you asked, there is really only one answer for me. It is my favorite WrestleMania match of all time. It's from 1991, WrestleMania 7, Ultimate Warrior versus Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, I was there with my father as a seven-year-old. Um, to me, it is the greatest WrestleMania match beyond Macho Man and Ricky Steamboat, which to many would consider to be Macho Man's best match and the greatest WrestleMania match to some people. This is the most emotional and great builds considering it didn't take very long to get from Royal Rumble 91 to WrestleMania 7. 
And so many things had to happen perfectly if you watch that event where we very much went from a Hogan Macho Man Ultimate Warrior era to getting to this thing where it splits off into Ultimate Warrior Randy Savage and then introducing Sergeant Slaughter. There are so many factors to this match and event as a whole that made this thing so important to me. Um, but yeah, going there with my dad and just being a seven-year-old and really experiencing the first like life emotions at a wrestling event with, right. you know, we'll talk about it in detail, but so many things outside of a wrestling match that happen. Oh, without with a doubt. Liz, with Scary Sherry, with the retirement. There's so many things and so many factors that made this thing so important to me and somehow overshadowed Hulk Hogan ending the Gulf War in the main event. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's so true. So we, I told you before we hit record, our very first episode of this podcast was us covering this match in depth. Um, and part of the reason why we covered it in depth is because uh, Jim and I, this was our first like real big pay-per-view that we got into. Jim actually watched this on his black box. Uh, no, I'm sorry. He rented it. I won't accuse him of that. He rented it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the next day in school, he handed it off to me on a VHS. Um, and I remember this was like the first thing that I went to. I was, I was hooked on this match. Um, the story is just absolutely incredible. Like you said, so uh, we have to go back. Had you been to other wrestling matches before this that you can remember? Yeah, so I I went to a bunch of like house shows. They would do house shows at like the Forum and the Sports Arena where the Lakers and the Clippers played. Um, this is before Staples Center, right? Like crypto now. Um, and you know I would go with my dad, and then we go to like a couple of shows. They sorry, it's my dog. Um, <laughs> one second. I love this special <laughs> guest. I really do. I, uh, yeah, I dig it. Always it makes it real. Now. Makes it real. You're good. Um, yeah, so where was I? I had gone to, I'd gone to, you know, a handful of shows with my dad. I was actually, I was pretty young at the time, you know, like I remember really getting into wrestling when I was four and I had watched a couple, you know, like random superstars. I don't know. I wasn't really even aware of what was going on in my surroundings. It was just kind of on in the background. And then I remember on my fourth birthday, it was the main event, Hogan Andre 2. Wow. So, you know, going into that, um, I watched like some TV and like kind of saw the build and like didn't quite get it. But I just knew that there was this thing happening after my birthday party where a couple of my friends from preschool and my dad were going to watch this thing on NBC. So we watch and obviously that plays out. And that spills into WrestleMania four and I watch all those. And then, you know, I'm not going to like a ton of shows at this point. I'm still four or five years old, but I do go to a couple a year. And then I remember, um, for my seventh birthday in February, I just turned, uh, 40, but yeah. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, when I was seven, my dad gifted me tickets to see WrestleMania seven. Wow. And, I remember him vividly telling me we were going to go see it at the Coliseum where the Raiders play. Right. Right. And I'm like, this is so cool. Cause at that point I was like kind of into like Bo Jackson and the Raiders and they were our football team at that point. And 
I was so excited about this event that it was so weird when my dad's like, hey, we're actually not going to go to the Coliseum. We're going to go to the sports arena. Now, I didn't understand at the time, but my dad, I, I, I think my dad like kayfabe me or something. And he was like, <laughs> there, was a, there was a terrorist threat at the Coliseum and they're moving it to the sports arena. Um, and it's kind of playing into like Sergeant Slaughter right. and General Adnan. And I'm like, <laughs> no, that's, and I really bought so into good. it. I'm like, oh man, this sucks. Like we're at war. <laughs> and so I, I, my kind of my perception or the whole thing, like everything going on in the world kind of changed. And I was still extremely excited. Don't get me wrong. It's just right. kind of like a different thing altogether going from the Coliseum to the sports arena. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would say at that point, that was probably like my fourth or fifth show I'd okay. ever been to. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, I was going to ask about the switch from venues then. Yeah. That's, that's just, the whole thing is still wild to me that that all happened. Uh, you know, cause I, I, we were in third grade when that happened and I like vaguely remember it going on. Uh, it's, I don't know. This event holds a very special place in my heart. Uh, oh because, yeah, like because of the story I told you, and just the card itself is just—it's it, fantastic. Oh, this, yeah, um, this, we'll get into that. I, ha I have big time notes on that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I've been to—I now I've been to WrestleMania. Let's see, seven, nine, twelve, sixteen, thirty-five, and thirty-eight. Or no, sorry, thirty-nine. Um, I, I'll never go to a sporting event with a better collection of talent. It would, it would really take like, I, I don't think if you look at it on paper, I don't think that anything's even come close to it unless you look at like an NBA all-star game. Right. <laughs> in terms of the amount of talent that's in an arena at once. Oh, it's, it's so true. I mean, I, I, I made a list if you want to go through it. Yeah. Let's yeah. So I want to hear just at this event and, you know, obviously going into it, I didn't, I didn't know how impactful this was going to be because a guy like HBK is just part of the fifth most important tag team at the time. Right. You have HBK, Bobby Heenan, Kerry Von Erich, British Bulldog, Gorilla Monsoon, The Fink, Bret Hart, Jake Roberts, Undertaker in his first WrestleMania match where he went 1-0. Jimmy Snuka, Randy Savage, Sherry, Liz, Ultimate Warrior, Andre the Giant, Roddy Piper, Ted DiBiase, Earl Hebner, Mr. Perfect, Sergeant Slaughter, Earthquake, Greg Valentine, Tito Santana, Bossman, LOD, Hercules, Jimmy Hart, and Hulk Hogan. That is you one very... of the greatest collections of anything ever. This is this is better than Coachella lineups. This is this is unbeatable. <laughs> it, it's no, unfathomable. Just the fact that Andre the Giant is there. It's, right. it's so crazy. It really is. And you left off Willie Nelson too. And, and well, all the yeah, celebrities, not, you know, like, not, and that's not the Willie Nelson and the Macaulay Culkin and Donald Trump but, of it all, but yeah. yeah, I'm talking about people who actually, yes, no, I know he did in some form, but yeah, I, the, I the love Willie it. Nelson portion of it is one of my favorite things when he's wearing every single piece of merch that was available that yeah. day. <laughs> Do you, so uh, anybody that's listening to this podcast already knows who you are. Uh, I've sung your praises um a ton you you are the the king of the ring merch uh and just the collection that you have which we're going to get into but do you remember if you got any merch from this event while you were there yeah, i i still have my dad's shirt i we had matching shirts that's awesome um, 
we have the the standard, you know, black WrestleMania seven Hogan with the American flag. Right. XL. I had a medium um, and I had the hat. Um, and I ended up selling mine because I didn't need the medium, but I right. do have my dad still that I wear. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that shirt. That's like one of the ones that I have. And it was like a must have. Um, yeah. There was, there was some crazy merch that year at like the house shows because 91 is like the most impactful year to me for like my personal wrestling watching. And right. there were, there's so many crazy things like the Liz and Macho Man like photo set from like the wedding. Right. And all these things available that were like mind blowing. But <laughs> I didn't get too many of them. And frankly, I wish I had been in my own ear telling me to buy XLs instead of smalls and mediums. <laughs> <laughs> but the match, the the match itself is is I remember as a kid, whenever I would rewatch this WrestleMania, it felt like a very long match. And it is it is on the longer side, especially for this era. For Hogan and or sorry, for Macho Man and Ultimate Warrior. Yes. In, yeah, especially I mean, in comparison to everything else on the card. It's such a spectacle and it, it really is one of these things where if you if you're a seven year old and you're watching it for the first time live, you don't realize how long it is. You're just right kind of part of the moment. And at oh, that totally. point, Randy Savage was my second favorite wrestler. And I didn't love the Ultimate Warrior because you know, he broke my heart the year before because I was right. like a big Hulk Hogan fan. So I was really obviously pulling for Macho Man Randy Savage. And, yeah. you know, I was at that point, I was renting all the VHS every week. You know, I was watching all the SummerSlams, all the Survivor Series, everything up until that point and loved Macho Man. Yeah. So to me, at the in, in the moment, I, I was like, I, I remember being nervous. I was chewing my nails. I was on <laughs> a ton of Coca-Cola, like <laughs> out of my mind on Coca-Cola, like so emotional. And I didn't realize how long the match was. Frankly, like right. there was so much going on. And then you'd I was kind of up in the cheap seat, so I couldn't even see you like that far down. But right. like people around me were saying, like, oh my God, you see Liz in the audience? And like <laughs> people were like pointing. Um, so there was just so much going on that I until I watched it, you know, rewatched it the other oh, day yeah. when you gave me the assignment, I didn't even realize how long the match was. Yeah. It, it's it, not only the match, but it's like everything afterwards that adds oh, yeah. to it even further. And well, it's, means, it's so frankly, that's the best part of the whole no. match is, is what happens afterwards. I mean, I don't want to I don't. Are we talking about spoilers? I don't know. No. <laughs> yeah, we can we can get there just like, you know, obviously, like you said, Liz in the crowd. Sherry's by yeah. uh, Macho Man's on the ringside by him. She gets involved at points. Um, and, and, you know, I. I was never, and I'm still not really the biggest Warrior fan. Uh, but this match and his in Warrior's interaction with Sherry at points is is wild. You know, she tries to take him out with her high heel. Um, it, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's a perfect match. Sherry's involvement is one of my favorite parts of this entire match. And just the bumps that she's willing to take and the investment that she has, obviously, with the retirement stipulation and all that. It's her her breadwinner as well, attached to Macho here. And just I love 
I loved everything that Sherry brings here and including at the very end of the, and the aftermath, so to speak of, of this match. And it's really funny. Cause I, right before this, uh, right before we hit record, Nick was like, Oh, let me look to see if I found my old notes and I found mine and I can't believe how abridged and short they are. Now my notes are obscene <laughs> 136 episodes later. So, uh, I, I talk about Sherry a bunch in my notes. I talk about warrior's jacket and his gear being just absolutely amazing. Uh, well, the, the, the gear is, is like, well, first of all, I could not see the gear. I saw the right. gear. I couldn't even see the gear when I was watching on VHS because all my VHS weren't super extreme HD. Yeah. But then yeah. rewatching when I finally got the WWE Network, you notice that Warriors ring gear is absolutely amazing. Yeah. He, he I mean, always brought it with the gear. I mean, that was between that, the music and his in-ring ability is not something he will ever be known for as a po for the positive. But he's but, amazing in that match. I was going to say the same yes, thing. Like, yes. This, oh, is yeah, easily, easily, this is his best easily match. his best match. And um, you'd have to thank Macho for that one. You'd imagine the um, where is it? Sorry, I'm pulling this up. <laughs> he also like I remember Warriors kid, trunks. Geez. I have it. So the Warriors trunks say means much more than this, and there's a picture of the belt, huh. meaning this match is more important than the main event. Wow, which is an interesting thing to kind of throw out there. One, he's kind of right, yeah, because right. I would say like up until you see the actual main event. I would say the Macho Man's career is more important than that main event that seemed like it was kind of thrown together, even though it wasn't. Right. Um, so there's a shot taken there. But then also, like, in the aftermath, when you watch the entire event, he's right. Um, it's kind of like a situation that we're in now where we don't know how WrestleMania 40 is going to play out. But it very well could be a situation where Rock versus Roman is like a non-title thing. And it'll right. overshadow a title match. Interesting yeah. connection. I love it. It's one of the it's one of the few times where there is a match that is more important than the main event, than a title match. Yeah, it's it's so true. I never really you thought of it, that. You see it the following year, where there's the non-title match of Hulk Hogan against Sid, um, and the main event of Flair and Savage goes on before. Yes. Yep. So that's another time when they well. appoint a, a non-main event as the main event. <laughs> I just find it funny that he had it on the trunks and threw it in their face. Yeah, I, you know, like when we recorded episode one, I don't think we even referenced or noticed the trunks saying that. Man. Check out the trunks. I know. Yeah. I'm looking at them right now, and it's there. It's, it's, it's right that, there on his ass. <laughs> that classic airbrushed. And yeah. I just uh, growing yeah. up, I definitely never noticed it. I there's no, no way details like that but it's this, cool to see this match tells like such a story that we've talked about in depth for even right now but like it, i think one of the cool things to see that wasn't something you saw so much back in 91 was the in-ring and the outside of the ring action that happens you know macho going up to the turnbuckle jumping outside the ring to warrior and warrior just not being able to defeat macho man at all in this match yeah. um so, I mean, the end of it is fantastic. We all know Liz comes out. Uh, you know, is there anything else that sticks out in this match to you that you want to talk about? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that, I mean, I touched on how emotional I was, but a lot of it comes from the fact that, you know, I've at this point seen 30, 40 Macho Man matches, and if he hits the elbow, it's right. a wrap, and, unless you're Hulk Hogan. <laughs> so when he does it five times, I'm like, oh, okay, this, this is over, you know? Yeah. But nope. Um, that to me is extremely impactful because, you know, one, he's clearly on his way out and he's making the ultimate warrior look really strong. Um, but it kind of added to the emotion where, like you said, he was just getting beaten down the entire match and you're like, Hmm, maybe it is time for him to like, hang it up. Right. Um, and he kind of lost that spark. And then not until, you know, even Sherry's beating him down afterwards. And, you know, it gets to this point where Liz, until she comes back and comes back down, he finally looks like himself again. Yeah. The irony or the, you know, I can almost say it's like Shakespearean where he gets this like will and like purpose again when Liz comes down, but his time's up. Yeah. So it's, it's like a too little too late. Right. During think, the most emotional thing to me that's ever happened in WrestleMania. Yeah, no, and I, I totally agree. I think it, this match is is a large reason why I do not and never have liked Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. Because of, of you know, he's putting Macho Man out. And to me, Macho Man, even when he was a heel, was such a cool guy. And, like, the moment, it's it's wild because you don't see it too much in wrestling happen where there's, like, like Macho Man or Macho King was a mega heel at the time and mm-hmm. going into this match, he was as well. Um, and, and, and just seeing how the crowd completely flips the switch, uh, yep. as soon as they see Liz get involved, it's, it's, it's incredible. They give him his flowers, you know, he's in there crying his eyes out with Liz. It's, it's a thing of beauty. Yeah. I mean, it's also one of the rare, like face turns when there's, isn't a, another wrestler involved. Right. Yeah. Excellent point. I mean, well, let me take it back because Sherry can hold her own. I'm just yes. saying. <laughs> no. Yes, I agree. Opponent, I should say. It's it's really it, it's an excellent match. So on, on our show, we give it cans in the cooler. Uh, it's our own uh, rib on Mr. Meltzer himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I'm pretty sure we all gave this five cans in the cooler on episode one. If we didn't, it definitely deserves five cans, in my opinion. We certainly yeah. came out hot, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, the Dr. Dre's The Chronic didn't get five mics in the source. It got right. four and a half. And then looking <laughs> back, they look kind of dumb. Yep. Yeah, it's so yep. true. You know, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that... I think when people... I'll, I'll even bring up Dave Meltzer. I think even at the time when he's watching it, he probably doesn't understand like how impactful this is going to be long term. Yeah. Um, yep. It's just like a retirement match. Like Roddy Piper four years prior. Right. 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 It's, and then, and then the way they play into the crowd with the, uh, the shots of everybody crying and sobbing and tears of joy. Well, that's another one of my favorite things. And you really, I mean, the two are, I'll take it back in a year span. They did a really good job on three occasions, focusing on one person in the crowd and making it like super impactful. So (laughs) let's start with Liz. I mean, Liz, probably the pioneer of this where they keep going back to her reaction in like a Taylor Swift sense right? for every right. single like major moment that happens. 
And then the success of that and that emotion carries into SummerSlam 91 when they do that for Brett and Mr. Perfect and they keep showing his parents in the crowd. Yep. And it makes the match that much more emotional. To me, that's the the best match of all time over the Savage Warrior match, but it's right. SummerSlam. Um, yeah. But they do it there. Another incredible match where they do it is they use Diana Hart um, during the Brett Bulldog match. Yeah. And that's one of the most emotional matches ever. So maybe they should start doing it again. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it just, it just seems like it works, I mean, especially with this bloodline <laughs> thing going on. Like, you know, I don't know, throw Rikishi in there and rocks mom and all of them and, and just show the crowd. Right, oh, man. Rock rocks mom against Cody's mom. Here we go. Front row. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, Cody's mom. No, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do hate the rock, but I, um, recently no one no one knows i don't even think i posted about it i found a shirt from rock's grandma's promotion in hawaii oh, wow. Wow. and it, it's the only shirt i've ever seen that had the new japan logo wwf logo awa logo nwa logo and wow. i yeah wow. i think that may have been it i don't know um but i it was the kid size i, I gave it to her <laughs> i i was put in touch um ben brown my friend who does the uh yeah wwe warehouse um, he got me in contact with them, and we gifted it to her. So I think she has it hanging in her office now. Oh wow, that's, that's incredible. incredible! I love that. But fuck the rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thank you for bringing this match. But now we can't leave. You, let you leave without a bunch of questions. So um, you ready? Right. Yeah. All right. So the first question I, I always like to ask: If there's one wrestler you could bring back to life, who would you pick? Back to life. I mean. Look, I, it's going to sound shitty because there's so many people I wish I could bring back to life. Like, I, right. I met Scott Hall and he couldn't have been nicer. And I, I obviously wish he didn't pass away. Right. right. But I think it has to be someone, like, who died really young that yeah. never really hit their potential. And, I mean, one of them's Brian Pillman. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he legitimately died in his prime i know he was like injured but you know dx and steve austin will get a lot of credit for the attitude era but he's kind of the spark oh completely if you if you watch 1996 and also all the antics that he did like in 95 he's really the root of like that change in style where it became more of an adult show yeah and had he gotten through the injuries and you know he had his demons and i don't i don't know i'm not gonna right. say ha what happened but he's one where i think he he just would have been like such an incredible talent for another 10 15 years and probably yeah. would have been a main eventer but he's, you know yeah, that's, a, that's got a great that far. choice it's a big it's a big what if yeah i love it do you have a favorite feud of all time yeah the mega powers for sure awesome. although I'll tell you what, at the peak of this bloodline thing, when Sammy was involved, I would say that was one of the best storylines. I would say that was the best storyline of all time. Yeah. For the, I, not, not right now. I mean, obviously it's fallen off and like, right. Look, main event Jey Uso is not even in the picture with that storyline anymore. And like, there's so many other things, but like at, at its peak when it was Roman and Sammy and all these things happening with KO, it was, it was to me like the greatest storyline yeah you I, felt I a lot of emotion because there was a lot of feuds that were like coming in and out of that storyline but in terms of like actual feud it's definitely the mega powers and it's it's so deep it, it literally spans like 10 years 
Yeah. This, it doesn't stop at WrestleMania five. This just, this thing just keeps going and yeah. goes into WCW <laughs> and then it goes into this, you know, it, it, the NWO, it just keeps going and going and going. And then what's his name? Uh, Randy Savage is just like, shooting on him and making rap songs about it, it <laughs> <Right>. never ends <laughs> and then Do after you... he dies hulk hogan's like yeah he's my best friend <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> forgets who brutus beefcake is but yeah uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> what do you have a classic wrestler that like you got into later like that you you missed their run um completely as it was happening and uh it, it made you go back and and watch some of his stuff and get into it yeah, I mean, there's, I guess there's a few, you know, I, I definitely wasn't privileged to see the best of Ric Flair. I, right. I admittedly got into Ric Flair in 1991, you know, so I didn't, I didn't see any of the, I didn't see any of the steamboat Ric Flair matches when I right. was a kid. I didn't see his Terry Funk feud. I didn't see any of this stuff. So, I mean, that's probably the biggest one, him and Dusty, um, you know, to me, Dusty is polka dot Dusty and I love him, but I didn't see the prime. Um, and then another one that like, I literally had no visibility on and I got back just by watching, uh, stuff on the network is superstar Billy Graham. And he's like, to me, the end all be all. Okay. That's the most underrated talent of all time. I like it. Yeah, I like it. So would, would you say this 91 era is like your go-to era, your favorite era? Oh, for sure. Nine, 91 is, is the greatest era to, you know, for me in terms of importance and like to me personally, I, I think that like 89 is as good from like a storytelling and like a rewatch point. Um, I think those are the two best eras, especially for WWF. There's a really interesting, like low key, great era for WCW in 1993. And they have this crazy roster that just isn't talked about enough, but it's like, Bulldog and Ric Flair and Rick Rude has the belt and all the Vader's there. Yeah, it's stacked. It's, it's like it's just a stacked roster and it's it's so good. And if you follow me on Instagram and you know about my collection, it's a huge focus of mine. I just have I, I've tried to compile like the greatest WCW from that era collection. Right. Um a lot of it stems from the fact that the greatest wrestlers of all time had like low key rookie second, third, fourth year kind of things going on in WCW. Right. In addition to all the flair, bulldog, Vader of it all. So you you touched on your your collection. Um, how did you first get into the the vintage merchandise game wrestling specifically? So. I don't know what it was, but in middle school, well, for one, there's not a very big year gap between me in grade school when I had like the WrestleMania shirt that I was talking about and then going into when like my peak of loving wrestling is really 97, 98. And that's when I was buying larger sizes. Right. And I was so thankful. I had this feeling. I didn't I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what nostalgia was at the time. But I had this feeling where I was so thankful that I had my dad's WrestleMania shirt and like three or four other of his shirts from events that we went to that I could now wear in eighth, ninth grade. 
And if you think about it, it's really only like a seven year difference. So I'm yeah. not like, I'm not like sitting on like 30, 40 year treasures. I'm just like, <laughs> right. I, I kind of understand what nostalgia is at this point. And I had this feeling like when I was watching, like, I, I can't give these things up. Like I'm going to want them one day for nostalgia. So yeah. I, I would go and I would buy shirts and, you know, at this point, I don't know. I had, I didn't have stuff that I knew was going to be collectibles because in hindsight, I don't, it's so hard to predict what a collectible shirt is going to be. So like I had like a Godfather Ho train shirt and I had the Austin 316 and like a handful of Austin shirts. And I don't know why, but I had like 25 NWO shirts. Like, and some of them were the same. It was like <laughs> red and black NWO shirt, white and black NWO shirt, no change in the logo. Just, I just had them in storage. And when I found all this stuff, it was kind of at a time where I was in this group chat with a couple friends and I was sending them pictures of all this stuff. And then also all the stupid shit I was finding on eBay, like, uh, like a foam hand or like whatever, like some, I, I, the first funny thing that I found was a one single feather from Ric Flair's boa from <laughs> Starcade 83. And it was going for 75 bucks. And I'm like, this is the funniest thing. And I asked my friends, I'm like, Hey guys, I have a bunch of stuff I'm, I'm going to try to sell. We're, we're like sharing the funniest stuff in this. Should we just do like an Instagram account where we post vintage stuff and like right. show people how funny it is. And it's like crickets. Like they completely <laughs> like didn't acknowledge it. And wow. I'm like, Oh, okay. So I like, I don't know what it was. I was up pretty late. My wife was asleep and I started thinking about like actually doing it. So I like, I got the Instagram account. I got the Twitter account, which I don't even use. I, I just, I, looking back on it, I was just doing everything I could so that I protected myself. And then I went to GoDaddy and I got wrestling for sale. And that was really it. I mean, I started, I started to look at what I had and I, I never stopped collecting from that eighth, ninth grade period. I just kept on buying. And, you know, whenever I was like drunk at night, I would like go on eBay and like look up stupid wrestling shit you know you, <laughs> at that point in time you could pull like a rock and roll express xl for like 20 bucks right and to get like some crazy hulk hogan like rarity from 1985 for like nothing and you know i at that point it was very much like entry level stuff now that i'm at this point you know i was looking for hulk hogan i was looking for nwo like very very basic stuff that Frankly, I, I don't have, to, I, don't, I don't do that. Like, it's just not part of my thing anymore. And now right. it's gone to this journey where I'm, I'm looking for the craziest, you, you <laughs> name it. Like, I like diamond stud shirts and like shirts that are like so rare and weird and something I would never look for back then. But as the journey continued, it was very much, I'm I'm getting out of like doing generic stuff and just trying to find like the craziest, wildest, yes. rarest shit possible. <laughs> I mean, your your posts must get shared like crazy because I know amongst us in our group chat, it's constantly like look you at know, what, look at what Ted just posted. You know that it gets a lot of shares and a lot of saves, but I don't get likes anymore. Oh no, not at all. But I don't I either. Think that that's, I think that's just like habit because like I go through Instagram. And I'll see like a hundred posts while I'm just like laying in bed or whatever. Yeah. Like on the couch. And I don't like anything. <laughs> and I like go through and like, oh, cool. And I like say it to myself, but like I'm not actively like going to like, right. like it. Yeah. Like if you do something cool 
I don't, sometimes I forget to like it. I'll just like share it. My right. Story. Right. And, no, it's, and it's, like, that's my way of liking something. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of like a strange evolution of Instagram. No. And I think a lot of people treat it that way as well. Um, yeah. What Matt has, has a question in here that I think is really important. Um, was your intention, and this isn't a joke, was your intention to become the leader of the merch game? Because there, there's nobody who has had a better collection than you've had, like, and a bigger collection. I mean, I've seen some people with some oh. cool, I've seen some people with some cool stuff, but. Yeah, so here's here's the thing. One, I, and I, I follow the community very closely. I, I would probably put my collection somewhere in the top five, or so I don't know if I have the best question. I have some things that are like one of one, one of two that a lot of the best collectors don't have. Right. Um, but there are some incredible ones. Like if you don't follow them, vintage wrestling merch, sorry, vintage wrestling tees, my bad, my friend, Adam and Corey, who are shoot friends in real life. They have an incredible collection between the two of them. Um, this guy, Eddie Abad, who has Coco B flair vintage, who has disappeared. And I don't know if he's dead or not, but he'll text me like once a year and resurface. <laughs> Sorry, I don't um, mean to. But, like, no, no, it's fine. He, he deserves it at this point. <laughs> His collection is so crazy. It's literally, like, a catalog of every single promotion. It's wow. every ECW shirt. It's every WWF shirt. It's, like, it's so vast and crazy. And I'll never get to that point. I never want to get to that point. My, right. my collection is so highly curated to my love for things. Like, I, I make a point of, like, I'm probably the only person in the world that has seven Barry Wyndham shirts. <laughs> you know, like I, I really try to do some impossible things. Like I, I freak out when I find like a big Josh shirt. I don't care about doing. Like it's it's very much like a nerd fest, right? So yeah, I mean, I, from the beginning, I had no intention of having the best collection. No, not right. Um, when I started the page, I didn't know anyone selling any wrestling merch. To tell you the truth, I think it was 2014 or 15. I was working as a chef still, and to me, the the best vintage store in Los Angeles is a place called Feralta Envy. Um, my friend Kirk, who I didn't even know at the time, um, had heard from a friend that I was a big wrestling fan. And I was wearing an NWO shirt at the time. And he came in and dropped off two pins. And they were a Ric Flair pin, like a Savage pin, I think. And we were like shooting the shit. And I'm like, dude, I, I really want to start a vintage wrestling page. And he's like, you just want to sell wrestling? Because he's, so, you know, you can look him up on your own time. Yeah. He's like the king of like really crazy fashion, vintage, and like like sporting things and music stuff. Like probably the craziest rap tea collection in the world. Um, and so at the time, I didn't know anyone else who was just selling wrestling. He thought it was like, crazy he's like you're, you're out of your mind so i just did it and i didn't know anyone doing it and i think that's why it took off the way it did because you know there are professional vintage sellers at that yeah. point who had much better shit than me but they weren't doing all wrestling and so when right. i created that niche and focused on it out of nowhere you had all these people saying like hey dude i'm getting divorced or, Hey, my kid is going to college. Like I need to sell this stuff. And I didn't even plan to do that at the time. I was going to maybe buy like one or two shirts and sell it here and there just to keep the content going. But literally within like three months of starting the page, I'm, I'm buying up 
stuff left and right. Yeah. What? And then, um... yeah, it just got, it, it, it kind of took on a life of its own and thank God I got the site and the Instagram and all that to protect myself because I, I did not foresee all of this happening. That's for sure. You've been, you've been in touch with throughout this, a lot of like big names, you know, and yeah. I feel like we have to go there because there, there's some very impressive names from, you know, bad Bunny to George Kittle. Um, oh my God. Did, what I did, went through with George Kittle today. Hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Matt, Matt, by the way, is a very big 49ers fan. So he, he asked me before we recorded, he's like, can I ask any George Kittle <laughs> questions? <laughs> Go ahead. I'm I'm not gonna like super yeah. and be tagged. No, 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 no. I will tell you a funny story. So he's he's very specific with the outfits, and usually he'll give me some heads up, or like he just buys something when he likes it. It's not like a planned thing. Tuesday he DM me and he's like, "Hey, dude, you have a shirt that'll go with these shoes." And so <laughs> I I never noticed this. There's not a lot of orange wrestling shirts. So I'm like, "What the fuck are we gonna do?" So I'm like going through everything. I don't have anything that really matches. Um, I did have some stuff on the way from a friend in Indiana, the ring worn. I just oh, nice. did my, my YouTube with him. The best, the best uh, ring worn collector on the planet. And he sent me a shirt and I'm like, I'm like, Oh shit, I actually have these on the way. And George Kittle really liked the HBK all over print. That's kind of like infrared. So it's like yeah. kind of red, kind of orange. N- needless to say, I rushed home, got the back, got the, package opened it threw it in the overnight today to get to vegas tomorrow so that he could wear it to the super bowl so that's <laughs> the behind the scenes i absolutely love it I, yeah. and is he as cool as he portrays on uh, on on screen so to speak he, he is the epitome of a white meat baby face and there's really no conversation that anyone's nicer like this guy has he doesn't need to be nice to me i have nothing to offer outside of shirts he my wife met him, you know, I met his wife, I met his parents and they're so nice. Like they're just like incredible people. And it's someone that you really root for. I'm a Raiders fan. In fact, this is my nightmare Super Bowl with the chiefs and the 49ers. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm anytime Kittle's on, I'm rooting for him to the point I, where I'm almost a Niners fan. I yeah, love it. Understandable. Yeah. Welcome aboard, yeah. Bang Bang Niner yeah. Gang. Uh, my yeah. my seven year old just wore his George Kittle jersey to school today, oh, so I'm that. really hyped on that. Uh, he's got his Debo t shirt jersey <laughs> planned for Sunday. He's ready and raring to go. So uh, I t- you just made me happy knowing that George is <laughs> yeah. as cool as he's as he uh, portrays oh, yeah. on screen. And I think the second he decides to hang him up, he's walking into WWE day one, and he'll be ready to go. Yeah, love it, love it. I can't wait. He's but win a couple more t- Super Bowls first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, I'm, would I'm you, for him. what would you say is the most requested uh, superstar garment? Like the, the anything? I, I think it just depends on the collector. There's, right. there's uh, you know, the basically like the entry level stuff is like Rock, Austin, NWO. And, you know, there's obviously always going to be demand for that. There's always going to be demand for Steve Austin. He's going to be the number one most requested person. And he's the only one that's probably the most requested on all the levels that I'm talking about. Um, You have your basic Austin 316 shirts and stuff that you'll find for under $100. And there's that crowd. Then there's like the, you know, kind of pricey people who will spend like three, four hundred bucks on like one of his rarer attitude era shirts. 
But then you start getting into the stunning Steve Austin WCW shirt, the ECW superstar Steve Austin shirt, some of the Hollywood blonde stuff. And that's where the mega collectors are craving it also. So I'd say he's the only one that kind of checks every box. Now, in terms of like big spender demand, it's very much like a Ric Flair, Rick Rude kind of thing. That's pretty I cool. love on I love on the eight episodes of the wrestling collectors that you did uh, that you really started speaking with Rosenberg is when the first time it came up, but you were talking about being a psycho. I love yeah. just normalizing that term and being able to <laughs> to speak that into making it a good thing. Uh, and it, there, it, it's so true. No explanation other than that. It's- yeah, exactly. Now on those on those uh, episodes, a lot of guys were asking for you know their grails and hit me up if how many deals came out of those episodes? Well, one really funny one happened. I think it was episode number. I, I, I don't quote me on the number, but it was either like three or four where I did the episode with Big Heel, the greatest toy collector of all time. By the way, sorry, Matt Cardona. <laughs> um, he. Him and I, we, there's a really funny story. If you if you go back and rewatch that, I'm not shamelessly plugging it. I'm just saying it for the sake of the story. He told me in the first minute of the interview that I helped pay for a house of his because in 2016 and 17, he had a huge shirt collection and I bought everything. Wow. Over like a year and a half period. So basically he liquidated all that, took the money, bought toys, bought other things, bought a house. Um, and... In that interview, he said that he hung on to one vintage shirt, and it was a Texas Tornado shirt. And it's the same shirt that Peter, on the first episode, said that it was his ultimate grail that he wanted to find. Right. So basically, (laughs) I stopped the interview, called Peter, turned it into like a a three-way dance, got the deal done on the spot, and then they traded. So I did find it. It was like very like meta. Like it all kind of happened but I, yes that was that was one that was cool where i could track it down i just love that you seem to have like ultimately connected all of these dots all of these people all of these psychos for uh to to use that word kindly uh and it's really amazing to watch all of this happen as a far and you know i may be too cheap to be living in the uh, psycho terms but uh mm-hmm. it's definitely really cool to watch just this community and and really foster around wrestling for sale it's really super impressive so uh I, as somebody that's been watching since as far as i can remember it's uh it's cool to watch you really control the market to an extent too uh what do you see the future of the market really coming into because it feels like it's it's never come down i mean well here's the thing like any other collectible during peak covid and when people were getting free money from the government and basically starting to sell wrestling shirts when they should not have been in any business whatsoever. Um, but they, you know, carved out their little following and, and, you know, had some free money from the government. So why not spend it all on wrestling shirts to resell? (laughs) Um, that was the peak because people are getting free money from the government and that's the ultimate way to, you know, inject life. And that's when things started to really skyrocket. Like that's when you started seeing shirts that would typically go for, I don't know, like 1500 sell for $4,000 on eBay. Um, and now, you know, it's, it's just back down to earth. It's, I'm not going to say it's the dollar amounts that it was, but it's all relative. 
no one has free money anymore and people are spending their own dollars and it's still hitting that maximum amount, but it's just not these ridiculous numbers because people aren't getting $2,000 checks. So with that, the price of buying them isn't as expensive. The price that they're selling for isn't as high. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think, I think it's in a good place, but it's certainly not selling for prices that it was in like 2020, 2021 you can tell that I'm on the fringe on the outside looking in. So uh, <laughs> thanks for clearing well, me up. That's everything though. That's, yeah, that's, that's true. Baseball cards. That's yep. Everything and everything at that point was selling for a fortune. Do you, do you have what you would consider to be the Ra Mount Rushmore of wrestling t-shirts? Of my shirts or just like the most iconic? Uh, I would say let's do both. The most iconic first. Well, to me, the most iconic is obviously the NWO black and white, the Austin 316, the purple sunglasses, Macho Man, and the, you know, red and yellow Hulkamania shirt. Those will always be the ones that are like, if you right. watch WWE shop, they're going to just print those at nauseum till the end of the world. For me, my, my favorite shirts of all time, it, we're really going to take it full circle now, kind of comes back to this subject that we're talking about, where... My top four shirts are the SummerSlam 91, the Macho King shirt, which is my favorite wrestling yes. shirt of all time. Um, actually, Vladimir at WrestleMania 7 is wearing them with sleeves cut off, which yes. is crazy because that's a $2,000 <laughs> shirt that cropped down to like 300 because he got rid of the sleeves. <laughs> um, and then the Liz shirt. Those would be my three favorites. Um, and then in terms of like rounding out the Mount Rushmore, I'd probably say that the 1985 Starcade, The Gathering with Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes is probably up there. Love it. Absolutely yeah. love it. Um, all right, Matt, are there any questions you want to ask before you uh, we play this or that? One one last one I want to uh, I want to ask about, and in those uh, episodes you talk about getting a whole haul from Blade and Bret Hart. Can oh, you yes. expand on that and tell us how that came to be? Yeah, I mean, so it actually happened twice. Um, I I don't know who it was, but some, I, I think Blade just followed me on Instagram because it was just part of, like, the wrestling community, and I don't know, like, people post about each other, and Blade was following me, and he DM'd me, and he's like, hey, dude, um, we were going through storage, and we found a bunch of stuff. A lot of it's, like, toys and video games that have never been opened and a bunch of other stuff. And they're like, do you want to buy it all? And they're like, I was like, of course, what are we talking about? But it was, you know, peak COVID. So it wasn't as easy as it should have been. And like getting it done was pretty tough. So needless to say, I did that, bought it, sold everything. And then he told me he found another pile and bought another pile and basically did it all over again. I couldn't even do pop-ups at the time. So it was really just a thing where I bought 70, 80 items all at once, twice. Wow. I would post them in one day and within 48 hours, everything was gone. Huh. Wow. But that's also 20, the power of 2021 when right. everything was just, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, that was, that was fun. I got to do a little FaceTime action with Brett and got it done and, yeah, I'm Man. I'm pretty fortunate to keep a couple of the items that that he personally had. So 
definitely a cool added thing on top of it just being like a great item yeah that's the whole the whole thing watching it go down and seeing how fast all that stuff moved was insane <laughs> insane like you said you posted it and it was felt like it was gone later that night yeah yeah all right matt i'm gonna have you take it away uh with with your this or that for all right for ted Ted, let's have some fun. A short, quick this or that. So I'll name two things. You don't need to explain why, but just hit me with uh, which one you would choose. So are you more of a beer or booze guy? Um, usually booze. Brett or Sean? Brett by a lot. By a lot. Austin or Taker? Oh, Austin for sure. Austin's my favorite of all time. I usually throw the rock in there, but we all know that answer for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's a really, really important one, uh, knowing, especially on a day like today, Kobe or LeBron? Oh, Kobe by, like, infinite amounts. Like, it's time. Kobe's my second favorite athlete of all time behind Steve Austin. So, Kobe <laughs> or Jordan? Kobe by, like, so much. Like, I hate Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> you and Nick will battle when we get to Philly. All right, Raw <laughs> or Nitro? It really depends on the years. I mean, there. they both pretty much trash in like up until uh, Bash the Beach 96. And Valid. then, you know, they kind of go back and forth. I usually say the best product is usually wherever Double J isn't. <laughs> oh, I, I love this and I'm going to take it and I will credit you every time I bring it up. Uh, Hollywood Hogan or Hulkamania? That's really like two different parts of my life, I guess, for nostalgia. Um, I'd probably say Hulkamania, just okay, surfer st- I was, like, raving lunatic at the time. But yeah, <laughs> respect, <laughs> surfer sting or crow sting? Uh, crow sting for sure. NWO or DX? NWO. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Um, but I really love sleeping, but I don't, I don't get quite enough of it. Um, probably, probably a morning person at this point. I'm forty. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's have some fun. La Femme, Nikita, or Silk Stockings? Probably Silk Stockings. <laughs> Mr. Nanny or Suburban Commando? Hmm. Probably Suburban Commando. Uh, I like I like No Holds Barred more than both of them. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I got to take the easy one out. Uh, the Big Blue Cage or Hell in a Cell? Uh, probably Hell in a Cell because I... The... Um, Mankind Undertaker matches in my top 10. Beach or pool? Pool for sure. All right. Let's see. Do you want to win the Royal Rumble or win Money in the Bank? Royal Rumble. All right. And are you a, if you were a wrestler, tights or trunks? Oh, for sure, tights. We haven't had one person that said trunks yet. No, no, no. I think Nolanium did. Nolanium did come on and say trunks. Uh, let's let's wind this down. Would you rather eat at Pasta Mania or WWF New York? Um, probably WWF New York because I have no interest in going to Minnesota and New York. I'm in New York. <laughs> All right, so um, this this one is my psycho question. On a hot dog, do you have ketchup or sorry, nope, ketchup or mustard? Sorry, one more time. This is my own psycho question. On a hot dog, is it ketchup or mustard? Um, I mean, I like both, but I guess I like mustard slightly more. 
All right. All, All right. right. And then uh, it is Super Bowl weekend. So uh, Chiefs or Niners? I think you already said Niners, 49ers. but let's do it, baby. All right. Nick, that is it from my uh, this or that. Ted, thanks for having fun. <laughs> of course. All right. One last question before we let you go. Ready? You're, you're booking your own WrestleMania. You can pick anybody from any promotion, any era. What is your main event? I mean, I would I would just do the the WrestleMania 18 that we should have had with uh, Steve Austin and um, Hulk Hogan. I don't care about The Rock. I think you you could tell when you're, he's not being shoved down your throats, and you watch the crowd reaction. People hated The Rock during the match. It yep. should have been Steve Austin. That's the true what if, and sadly we'll never see it. No, that was, and I I was there for that mania and it was wild but i can't imagine what it would have been like if it was austin and, and hogan yeah it would have been absolutely that's all right me, ted though. well thank you so much we really appreciate having you on uh i want to let you uh promote yourself and uh anything you've got going on uh before we let you go yeah um you know follow me on instagram at wrestling the number four sale um plenty of stuff on the site wrestlingforsale.com um, we do have a big event coming up that you'll be doing with me. Yes. Uh, that'll be the Friday before WrestleMania in Philadelphia at Blind Barber. Probably going to be a noon start. Um, on my end, it's shaping up to be probably one of the craziest piles I've ever had for a pop-up. So definitely in contention with last year. Um, some of the great merch makers there is. We have Matt Botvin. We have Stash Pages. We have you, some one of the great artists of all Thank time. Thank you. Um, so big event. Um, we have the wrestling classics going to be doing a podcast and we have some fun interviews planned that we're not going to talk about yet, but all in all, it's going to be a great way to kick off the weekend. So hopefully everyone can stop by. Awesome, man. I, I cannot wait. Like I said, that's what I'm looking forward to most this, uh, WrestleMania season. So thank you, Ted, once again. And, uh, for anybody else that's out there, don't forget to, uh, follow us on Instagram at extra cooler and join us in our discord. Cheers, guys. See you.